Well, facing a task unfinished is the theme of our month-long missions conference. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're in the third week of our four weeks, and I just want to remind everyone here this morning that in our gymnasium, we have book tables with all kinds of great missionary books, and we have a number of books that were talked about in Sunday school that our speaker has authored some great books from the Friends of Israel, and so really encourage you to go to the gymnasium after the service. There's some coffee and cookies there and have a great time of fellowship as you uh, browse those tables. Also remember that there are tables there for tools, uh, or yeah, for donations for tools and donations to our missions closet so that we can better serve our missionaries in the future. And then don't forget the missions projects for the three families represented this month. Those projects are in your bulletin and we encourage you to give generously throughout the month, throughout the month so that we can help each of them with these projects. Well, this morning uh, we welcome David Levy. David is the Director of International Ministries for the Friends of Israel gospel ministry. He oversees workers in numerous countries around the world. David, as I mentioned, is also the author of many books and articles and is a highly respected Bible teacher and conference speaker. We have had the privilege of partnering with David and his wife Beverly since the earliest days of their ministry with the Friends of Israel, and that has been a real honor for our church to have partnered with them for so long. I want to mention to you that the outline, or the outlines, I should say, for this morning's message and this evening's message are in your bulletins. So if you want to follow along, those outlines are there. And also, I know we had quite a uh, excellent, we had an excellent prophecy message in uh, Sunday school uh, this morning, and there may be some questions that you have. Uh, David will be sharing more tonight. And at the end of tonight's service, he's going to try to leave some time to answer some questions. So we've got a full day planned for you, and we're really looking forward to it. David, come and preach for us. I think I'm turned on. Well, it's a joy to be back with you and a joy to be in the service. Uh, let me greet you with a hearty shalom. Always greet people with shalom. Shalom means peace, and we come in the peace of Jesus, share that peace with you. So hopefully you'll share that peace with somebody throughout the week and in the days ahead. When you leave somebody, you never say goodbye, you say see you again, or you say shalom, shalom. But uh, it's a joy to have had you as part of our uh, mission team. And I tell people uh, when I say mission team that you're not standing behind me or us, Beverly and I, you're standing next to us because as we go out and minister to people, our fruit is your fruit as well. And only eternity will bear how much fruit you've produced through the Friends of Israel, too. 
pastor's already invited you back for the evening message. We're going to be talking on the watchman of Israel, and we'll tell you who the watchman of Israel is tonight, and then be giving you an update throughout the message of our international ministry. It's fantastic. We have a great outreach. We use only nationals, and they're doing a job and not just witnessing to Jewish people, but seeing them come to a saving knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah. Take your Bible this morning and open to Matthew chapter 10, 9. We're going to be focusing in on verses 35 through 38, and that's Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. The title of this message is Our Mission Task, and each one of us have a task. Now in the hour that we will be in this service this morning, 16,041 new souls will be born into the world. By the time a 24-hour period is up, 385,000 people will be born into this world. That's a little bigger than St. John's, Michigan. There are 7.4 billion people upon the face of the earth. Uh, by the year 2050, there will be 9.7 billion people upon the earth. 95% of the missionaries are reaching out to 17% of the world population. Or to turn that around, only 5% of the missionaries are trying to reach 83% of the world's population. There are 4.3 billion people of the 7.4 billion people that have not heard the gospel and have been saved. Just think in China, there was 1.4 billion people. In India, 1.3 billion people. And the Muslim world, there's 1.6 billion people and growing very rapidly. When you uh, think about it, uh, Islam uh, takes up about 21% of the world's population. And it's not only in the Middle East, but when you look at Indonesia, Indonesia has the largest uh, Islamic population in the world. We have a mandate from the Lord after his resurrection and before he ascended back to heaven, he said, Go ye therefore and teach, or literally make disciples of all nations. That was not only given to the apostles, but that is our mission as well. And uh, then uh, we read in the book of Acts, he said also that our mission was, ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And uh, this is our mission task this is our ministry. This is what the Lord has said to us, not just an apostle, not just a minister, not just a missionary, but the Lord himself has given us this challenge. 
<clears throat> so I would say, this is the place, now is the time, and you are the one. And that's what this mission conference is all about. Our mission task is to the nations. But often when we think of missions, we think of foreign missions, or we think of home missions. Well, it's not home or foreign missions. The word mission means to be a sent one. We are all sent ones. And whether we are here in St. John's, down in Lansing during the week, or whether you're traveling uh, on the road for business, you might be in China, you might be in Russia, you might be in Europe, but we are to all go out in its missions wherever we are. As you are going, we are called on to disciple people unto the Lord. And there are four points that I want to bring out this morning concerning uh, missions, and it's in your bulletin as you look at the outline, and the first is we need to see the condition of our world. Verse 36, and here's how it reads. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they were faint and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. <clears throat> now, first of all, he saw people as faint. This word faint means literally distressed. He saw people as battered, as skinned, as mangled, as plunder. And the word really means to really uh, flay off the skin. It means to skin these people. And so that's what the word faint. It doesn't mean that they were passing out. It means that they were in great distress and need. Second thing he says here, he saw them as scattered. The word scattered means downcast. It means to be thrown down, morally wounded, and helpless. Now I said uh, during our Bible time in the first service today that uh, there are some 80 wars, conflicts, or insurrections taking place throughout our globe. There is so much war in this world. And the idea of being downcast, it means these people have been thrown down through the conflicts of life and mortally wounded. John MacArthur said, well, before I tell you what John said, uh, there have been 5,600 wars in the uh, history uh, there have been 14,531 wars in the history of mankind over the last 5,600 years. Now, John MacArthur said there have been 292 years of peace, and he said the reason there was peace, nations needed time to reload their weapons. There seems to be a lot of truth to that. Nations are continually arming themselves for battle and conflict and war. And so the word scattered just doesn't mean people scattered throughout the world. It means that they're downcast. They're being destroyed. 
Jesus saw the people, he said, as sheep having no shepherd. He saw them as being leaderless. He saw them as being defenseless. And somebody might say, well, how could he say that uh, concerning the Jewish people? Didn't they have synagogues to worship in? Yes, they had uh, synagogues to worship in. But to be honest with you, the synagogue had uh, left really the teaching of the Word of God and had gone off into a ritualistic tradition really without any reality to it. And Jesus told them in uh, Mark chapter 7 verse 9 that they were following a religion without really uh, realizing any of the reality in the religion. They were keeping the commandments of God and not really the commandments of uh, Moses. And when you look at Europe, uh, it's not only synagogues, but it's also other countries that have no reality in their worship as well. In Europe, we have beautiful state churches, but it might surprise you that in England, only 5% of those who are England go to church, 29% are atheists, And I remember traveling through Brighton, uh, uh, England, with a church planter a number of years ago. And he said, you know, there are 500 witches in Brighton, England. And he would go door to door and talk with people and witness to them because he was planting a church. And he found that there were so much witchcraft in that city. Well, you look at Germany, and somebody might say, well, what about Germany? There's only 5% of the people go to church. In Sweden, it's about 3%. In Denmark, it's 1% or 2%. Take Australia. Australia has uh, probably about 21 million people at the present time. But in that country, only 5% go to church of any kind. And so... Uh, people have places to worship, but they don't worship. Well, somebody might say, but the Jewish people had the scriptures. Yes, they had the scriptures of that day, and they probably read through them for the Sabbath service, but uh, in Judaism, it was the Talmud or the oral law what man said about the law in the Mishnah and the Gomorrah. And that's what they read. They did not really uh, read the word of God and interpret it like they should. Well, we have Bibles today. Best uh, printed book of all time. There are more Bibles than any other book in the world, but often few read them. Sometimes Christians carry a big Bible, but you ask them if they study it or read it, and you find out, uh, well, they might read it somewhat, but they don't really dig in and read the Bible. And often they have a devotional guide that they read in the morning and study instead of the Bible. And so uh, we have Bibles 
The Bible needs to be translated into other languages as well. And uh, so there's a big task to get the scriptures in the hands of people. Uh, we have uh, cell phones and we have iPads and we have computers. And often uh, preachers will say today, uh, turn on your iPad or your iPhone. Some don't even carry the literal written word, but they have it electronically in their pocket. Now, I'm glad for all that, and we can read it wherever we go and take it with us. That's great. But uh, we need to be reading the Word of God. Then somebody might say, well, the Jewish people had shepherds, didn't they? Yes, they had shepherds, but the shepherds of Israel were blind. Jesus uh, said to the shepherds of his day in Matthew chapter 15, verse 14, that they were blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, what's going to happen? Well, he said they would fall into a ditch. We have people that uh, have all kinds of spiritual leadership throughout the world and in our country. Uh, there are people that embrace Islam, as we talked about in the first hour. There are Hindus. There are Buddhists. We have uh, uh, all kinds of different religions. But if I were to ask you, do you think these people are of the truth? You would say, no, they don't believe in uh, Jesus as the Savior. They don't believe in the Word of God. And... Uh, then we have all kinds of cults and the occult in this country, and it's growing. There are from 2,500 to 3,000 cultic groups in uh, the United States. There's some 2,500 uh, uh, bookstores in the United States given over to this literature, and there are over 3,000 publishers. And the occult and occult is really inundating this society and has been doing so for a long time. And we have all kinds of cultic groups springing up, some new and some old. Now, here's what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now, he means there, he's the I am, he's the light to light the world. Then he said, a few chapters later, in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is saying, I am the way, I am the truth, no other way, no other truth, I am the light. Now, do we believe that? Well, you say, yes, uh, Brother Levy, I really believe that. Well, if we believe that, that should be our mission task to take that message throughout the world. And the world, believe me, is not over there in some foreign country. Today, the world has come to our doorstep. It's next door and down the street. 
Now, some of you work in Lansing. Maybe some of you work at uh, Michigan State University. I'm sure you see the world there. You see the Islamic world. You see the Hindu world. You see the Oriental world. You see Chinese. You see Japanese. Even when I was uh, flying up just from Detroit to Lansing, a 22-minute flight, I saw the world on my flight. It was only an 80-seater plane, and uh, we saw, I saw somebody from the Muslim religion. I saw Orientals. I saw some Hindus, just in the small group of people. I go to a Dunkin' Donut. I like Dunkin' Donut coffee. There are two Islamic women that uh, wait upon me. In fact, uh, they know exactly what I want, so they have my coffee ready before I walk in the door, because I get one every day. And uh, so I'm trying the best I can to open the door and talk to them about spiritual things. It's difficult, but I pray, God, give me an open door. Because I realize the only way, the only truth, the only life that can be had is found in Jesus Christ. And you say, well, you know, that leaves out the young people. Well, some go to schools where the world in your public school is there. I know a lot of you are homeschooled, and uh, I know a lot of you maybe go to Christian school, but young people rub shoulders with the world. There's all kinds of places to bring Jesus Christ to people. And I like to do what I say, think out of the box. I like to create new ways to go and meet the needs of people when we're looking at the condition of our world. Um, I used to like to go and write in McDonald's. Why in McDonald's? Because it had a nice desk there. I'd get my cup of coffee, and I'd write, and I'd be having my books open, my Bible open. Now I only have to open an iPad. But uh, somebody come up to me and say, oh, are you a student? I say, well, I'm a student of the Bible. Well, I don't go to school anymore. They say, well, are you uh, a professor? No, not a professor. What do you do? And I tell them, well, I'm with a group called the Friends of Israel, and I'm a writer. And uh, I would start to talk to them, and they say, oh, uh, you know, I'm interested in Jewish people. I'm a believer. Well, I just happen to have a magazine here I'd like to give you. You can read. And so I'd witness to them. Now, I found out uh, McDonald's is a good place to witness. You go in in the morning. And what do you find? Mr. and Mrs. Retirees having coffee. You know, the men are over in the corner all philosophizing on the election and the world and where things are going. And they're having their coffee. And then I, uh, if I go in at noontime, what do I find? Mom with all the kids. She didn't want to fix lunch, so she brought the kids to McDonald's. So you go into McDonald's, uh, you know, in the afternoon, and who do you find? after-school kids. They just pack in because they want to get something. I'm just using this as an illustration. 
You could go to a shopping mall and men while your wife is shopping, you could just sit in that mall and uh, you know, what happens? All the men sit there with their baseball caps on, their iPhone in their hand, and their, or their phone in their hand, and they're reading. Or it's a perfect opportunity to talk to people about the Lord. But I'm saying create some way to see the condition of the world and bring people the gospel message. I mean, there are all kinds of opportunities. We have to think out of the box. And we have to think about our mission task. That's what it's all about. Now, uh, Jesus not only saw the condition of his world, but he had compassion on his world. Look at verse number 36, what it says again here. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Now, he was looking at Jewish people. I realize that. But, you know, uh, we need to look at all men and have compassion. This word compassion means his heart was moved with pity and sympathy upon him. The word uh, saw here means literally not just to have a glance, but it means to gaze upon. He gazed upon his people and he saw them as dejected, as in distress, as depressed, as in despair. And all you have to do is read about Jesus' days in the New Testament. And see how he saw these people. Do we look at people that way or do we simply just give a glance? Do we look deep into their need? Now, it says over in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, that he saw the city of Jerusalem and he wept upon it. Went up on the Mount of Olives and when he looked down on the city, it was spread out before his very eyes. He saw his people as defenseless and leaderless. They did not have leadership. And his heart was literally moved with compassion on them. It says in Matthew chapter 23, verse, th uh, uh, chapter 23, verse 37, that uh, when Jesus looked upon the multitudes, he said to his disciples, How often would I have gathered your children together uh, like a mother hen would gather children, but you would not. You would not uh, gather together. So he would have gathered them together as a uh, mother hen gathers her chicks, but they would not. Well, I want to take you to Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and I want to show you something about the Lord's ministry here in this text. Jesus had been out ministering for uh, about a year, and he's coming back to his hometown synagogue. And uh, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, well, before that, go back to verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up 
And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Uh, may I point out, Jesus went to synagogue every Sabbath, and we ought to go to church uh, every Sunday. This was his custom, but as he custom was, he stood up to read. Now in the synagogue, you have a bima, that means platform. And uh, there's the reading of the Torah, that's the uh, books of Moses, and the reading of the Haft Torah, that's the prophets. Well, Jesus was called up to read, and the reading of the day was found in, really, uh, Isaiah chapter 61. And he would only read a portion of that, and he read where it said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, verse 18, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. And then he closed the book. Now what he is saying here is really mighty. He's saying, the Spirit of the Holy Spirit is upon me because he's anointed me. There's a play on words. I am the anointed one. I am the Messiah. And the Messiah, I have been anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, when they heard that, uh, that was a shock in the synagogue. Nobody has ever said that this was fulfilled on me before. Now, what is Jesus saying? Well, Jesus is saying a number of things here. He is saying, first of all, he's come to rescue people. Now, he's come to preach the gospel. The gospel is the good news to the poor. The word poor here means one who is cringing and crouching like a beggar. He is uh, so poor. It means to be poor in this world's goods. But, you know, poor can also mean to be broken in spirit and life. I'm going to go to the Lansing Airport and fly to Chicago and then to Richmond, Virginia tomorrow. I'm going to see people that look very prosperous, but if I were to talk to them, they are up and outers. They are bankrupt in their spirit. And so you might have this world's goods, but you are bankrupt in your spirit. Preach the gospel to the poor, yes, but to those who are bankrupt in their spirit as well. He said he's come to rescue those who are bankrupt. To bring relief, to heal the brokenhearted. Just look at our society today. People are without jobs. Families are broken. Uh, divorce is at a very high rate. Uh, children live in broken homes today. Brokenhearted people, you can't imagine. Jesus said he's come and his compassion, his message is going to heal the brokenhearted. He says he comes to... Uh, bring re, uh, release as well. 
look what it says. Preach deliverance to the captives. Picture here is one who's been dragged away into captivity by Satan or the powers of Satan. And he's said he's come to really bring them release. We have a society that is drugged, that is immoral, that's crime-ridden, that's corrupt in politics, and on we could go. We have this kind of society that's held captive by Satan, our society and our world, and they're held captive by religious tradition as well. Jesus said he's come to bring release. And he said he's also come to restore. Notice it goes on to say, sight to the blind. Bring physical sight, that's true, but to bring really sight on the truth of Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is what Jesus is called to do and is calling us to do. And then he says to recover. Set at liberty them that are bruised, those who have been crushed and bruised by sin. So he comes to rescue, to bring relief to the brokenhearted, to bring release and restore and recover people. And that's what missions is all about. That's what our mission is all about. Living in a hurting, broken society, bringing Jesus the only way, truth, and life to these people. Well, there's a third point that I want to bring to you this morning, and it's uh, Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. And it's the commitment to the work that Jesus calls us to. Um, the harvest. Notice the harvest, what he says in verse 37. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but our labors are few. Jesus is saying there is a big harvest out there, but the labors are few. Now this is not harvest time, this is planting time. And you're going to see farmers out planting their fields. But during the harvest time, you know, harvest takes long hours. It takes money. It's costly. You have to buy all that heavy equipment. And you've got to put fuel in it. Well, fuel price is down today. It takes manpower. And to bring in a harvest, timing is everything. If you don't bring it in at a certain time, you could lose the whole crop. And so uh, the harvest really is great. Well, think of the harvest field I've mentioned already. 1.4 billion uh, in China, India, 1.3 billion. Uh, in uh, Islam, 1.6 billion. 4.3 billion people that need to be reached, and they're coming to our shores. I said in the last hour that uh, Russia covers 11 time zones. We need uh, to have workers in Russia reaching out to them. And so uh, the harvest is great. But what about the labors? Jesus said here, the labors are few. There is a little chorus that uh, we like to sing. And that chorus is, uh, my table is full, but what? My fields are empty. Who will go and work in? my field today. And that's true. 
Uh, look at the feast we have in our churches and all that we have, whether it's the preaching of the word, the teaching of the word, the music programs that we can have. We are blessed. We are full or can be filled. And uh, do we ever look outside and see that uh, the fields are empty of labors and we need to send people? Well, uh, labors. Uh, you know what I'm ch doing? I'm uh, challenging Mr. and Mrs. Retiree to go to the field of service. Go. You say, well, you know, I'm retired. And I'm, what are you doing with your time? Well, I can't go, you know. Well, you can pray. Uh, well, I, I really can't go to any of these countries because, you know, I'm not in good health. Well, you could go down the street. You could go next door. You could go to the mall. You could go and witness. Uh, my mother-in-law, when she was in her 70s, uh, used to go and sit in the mall and pass out tracts, and she would witness to people. Even in her 80s, she would do that. My father-in-law would take her and leave her off there, and she'd spend Saturday afternoon just sitting there passing out tracts. There's all kinds of ways that we can get involved and be laborers. Some of you take five-week vacations. Uh, what are you going to do with your vacation? Why not go to a mission field and help a missionary? Some of you travel abroad, as I've mentioned. You go to China. Maybe you go to India. Maybe you go to Europe. Uh, you know, you're on an airplane. Uh, you're talking to business people at dinner and all. You have an opportunity at least to try to open the door and see the mission task to plant the word of God. So uh, there's all kinds of ways we can reach out. I remember I was speaking years ago at um, Grand Rapids School of the Bible and Music. There was a man, Casey, there, and he came up to me. He said, I enjoyed your message. Thank you very much. And I asked him what his name was. He told me. I said, uh, do you, what do you do here at the school? Do you work around the school? He says, no. I said, what do you do here? He says, I'm a student. I say, well, you know, how old are you? He says, I'm 76. And I said, 76? Yeah, he said, uh, I'm from Grand Rapids. I always wanted a Bible school education. So at 72, I decided to go and get a Bible school education came back four years later and now he's representing the school going out in churches and saying a few things about the school doing what he could he got involved age makes no difference whether you're young whether you're old it makes no difference whatsoever uh, see we're all laborers we're gifted and we're to go out and share that gift now, the last point I want you to see is a commission to the work, verse 38. And Jesus said, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Now, Jesus didn't say it's your harvest. It says, he said it's his harvest. The first thing is to pray. And he said, Pray that the Lord would send forth uh, harvest. So the idea here is to broadcast them or or you take a bag of seed and you just throw it like you do on your lawn when you want to plant seed some of you use a pushing piece of equipment but uh, you just broadcast the seed 
out. Pray that God would broadcast workers out and cast them out into the harvest field. And he says it's his harvest field. We don't have to bring in the harvest. He will, but he uses us as we go and as we speak and as we get out. Now we've heard this message a lot of times. You've heard this very text preached a lot of times. You could even quote some of this back to us. We say, yeah, that's true. The Lord said that. Boy, I should go. Yes, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Well, are we going? That's the thing. Do we see our mission task? Makes no difference of age, how old. You know, I should have been long gone and retired long ago. Just take a look at me. See, take a look at me. Got a few wrinkles, got a few gray hairs, right? I'm older than some of you sitting out there with gray hair. Uh, everybody asked me, when are you going to retire? I said, I looked in the scriptures. I didn't see that quite there, retirement. Hey, we're going to serve until God takes us home, right? We're called to serve, not to sit. <laughs> and so let's be about the Father's business. Begin to pray. First of all, see the condition of your world. Have compassion upon your world. Be a committed labor to go out in the field and then pick up the commission to pray to the Lord of the harvest. Well, pastor said I got to be done in one more minute. I had to be done by, I think, 11.30 because you got to go have coffee and some cookies. Well, you know, in the hour that we've spent in service, how many people have been born in the world? 16,041 people. Wow, that's a startling figure. But I'll give you uh, another startling figure that in the 24 hours that we live, 161,000 souls will slip off into eternity without, most of them, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a sobering fact. Get before the God, Lord and pray and say, Lord, you've gifted me. Lord, I'm ready to be used. I'm ready to go. And just brainstorm, and he'll bring ideas to you how you can reach out in your Jerusalem and your Judea and your Samaria, the undesirable places, and then unto the uttermost part of the world. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word today. We know it. We've heard it. But the whole thing is that we've got to respond. And Father... Uh, convict us that we will respond. We will respond to go. We will respond to help others to go. We'll respond to teach others uh, what they must do in going. We're thankful for the word. Thankful for you, Lord. Help us never to forget our mission task because we realize this is the place. The time is now. And we're the ones, in Jesus' name, amen.